Great, good morning everybody. Happy New Year to you. All had a good Christmas, you survived Christmas all right? <laughs> it's great. We had all our grandkids with us and uh, family from Australia, family from America, so they all piled in. So it was all wild and exciting and uh, we felt quite exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> but uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Now, I'd like you to turn to uh, Isaiah 41. I believe that God has put on my heart this passage for you. During the uh, prayer meeting this morning, while we were praying, there was a picture of God turning over a new chapter for you as a church. And uh, that's really what I want to speak about this morning. It's like a new season. And I want to speak about God's transforming power. Now just quickly, the book of Isaiah, you could divide the book of Isaiah into two. You could go from chapter 1 to chapter 39, which would, you would call confiscation. Because of the sin of the people, because they'd run after all the other idols of all the other nations, that God said he's going to confiscate the land from them, take them away from the land, and take them into exile. And then from chapter 40 to 66, it's a period of consolation where they've actually been taken into exile in Babylon But God is saying, I haven't finished with you yet. I've got promises for you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And it's where we get the magnificent passages about the servant king, Jesus coming, Isaiah 53, and so on. And we find that their total fulfillment is in Christ. And so it's on this theme of God's uh, consolation and restoring of Israel after they've been through a very, very difficult time that I want to speak. And I want you to go from verse 8, and I want you to notice in this passage, this, you could describe this passage as the, the passage with the great I wills, or I ams. I want you to notice how many times God says, I will do it. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen... You descendants of Abraham, my friends, I took you from the ends of the earth and from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. And though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. And those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, see, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with, I'm going to translate the word many as master, with master teeth. And you will thresh, that's the correct translation, by the way, you will thresh the mountains and crush them. 
and reduce the hills to chaff. And you will winnow them and wind, and the wind will pick them up, and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy search for water, and there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set up junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing word. I thank you for this great church. And Lord, you know all of the events of recent weeks and months. And I pray for this dear church that you'd wonderfully bless them and move them on in the purposes of God this year. I pray that you would unfold, I can even see it now, God unfolding surprises for you this year, like amazing surprises. I pray that you'd do that. One blessing after another will be yours in Christ Jesus. I pray that you'd wonderfully bless them. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with us as we turn into the Word of God this morning and bring out that which will glorify the name of Jesus. Amen. In order to understand any passage in the Bible, you have to understand it in its context. And the context of the passage is actually set in verse 1. And the context of this passage is, is actually a courtroom drama which is played out on a global scale, on a world scale. So if I read verse 1, it says, Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak, and let us meet at the place of judgment. Here it is. This is the place of judgment. And Isaiah 41 is, is the place of judgment. This is the courtroom drama. So imagine you're part of that. This is a great courtroom drama which is played out. If I just pick up from the end of verse 40, a verse which you will all know very well, it says, um, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up with wings like eagles, they'll run and not be weary. We all know that verse, or most people know that verse. And then it goes to chapter 41, and then it says, now let the nations of the world renew their strength. So Isaiah, this prophet, has taken a quantum leap in his prophesying. He's come to the end of chapter 40, and he says, let the people of God know the strength of Yahweh. And now in chapter 41, this is the quantum leap. Now he's saying, now, now let the nations of the world know the strength of Yahweh. And so here he's going just from the covenant people of Israel to now the nations of the world, which actually includes Hailsham (laughs) and includes you and me. And I'm very glad about that. Amen. Very, very pleased about that. But in order for that to happen, there is one issue which has got to be sorted out. 
one issue. And that is the issue that's at stake here in Isaiah 41. And this is the issue. Who is the real, true, and only living God? Now, the nations have been after all the... Oh, sorry, Israel have been after all the gods of all the other nations. And so it says in the context of this passage, if you, if you look in verse 21, it says to the nations of the world, it says, present your case, says the Lord. Bring in your idols and get them to do something. And so here's the courtroom drama. The first to speak are the nations of the world. And it's on one side, you've got the nations of the world and the other side, you have God. And uh, the nations of the world are the first to speak, and this is your chance. Bring in all your idols, and let's have a real showdown of power. Let's see how much power you really have. Bring in all your idols, we don't care. How many you bring? Go to India, and they have three trillion gods there. Bring them all in, get the whole lot. And then Isaiah, he takes the mickey a little bit. He says, get them to do something, whether it's good or bad, we don't even care. Just get them to do anything. That will really impress us. I went to uh, one of the large holy cities of India, Nasik, and it was by one of their sacred rivers. And by this river, there was a huge monkey god. It probably had legs almost as high as this ceiling. And then his body went up from there, and it stood there with a, a big staff, and people came and they laid their saffrons and their garlands, and they knelt down and they worshipped this monkey god. And I noticed a strange thing. I went back there a week later, and this monkey god was still in exactly the same position. Now, I've seen monkeys in the zoo, and they don't stay still for long. I've <laughs> seen them actually in India swing through the trees. They don't stay still. And this one, although it had the biggest legs you have ever seen, it didn't have the power to move those legs one millimeter. And Isaiah has quite some strong words to say for those who get into idol worship. He said, look, this is what one man does. He says he goes and chops a tree down in the forest, and with half of it, he sort of makes firewood and keeps himself warm and says, oh, lovely warm fire. With the other half, he makes a god out of this other half of the tree, and then he says to the thing he's just made, he says to it, you made me. <laughs> and he says, you become as stupid as the idol. And that's why we shouldn't worship idols, because we become like what we worship. And if you worship an idol, you actually become dumb. They have eyes, but they cannot see, ears, but they cannot hear, mouths, they cannot speak. We went back to Nasik some time later, and there'd been a massive great monsoon and massive floods, and they'd actually swept this monkey god into the river. And they found out not only could it not walk, it couldn't swim either. <laughs> and, uh, and the nations had gone after all these other gods. This is your chance. Get them to speak. Get the world to speak. Get the world to speak. Tell us what you've got to say. England, what have you got to say at the moment? Bring in all your ideologies, all your theories, all your great schemes. Tell us. In Isaiah's conclusion, it says they amount to wind and confusion. They amount to nothing. They amount to nothing.
And now, God is going to speak. And now God is going to demonstrate his power on a global scale to the world. The nations have done it with all their idols. It's just wind and confusion. And now God is going to do it. If you were God, how would you display your power today to Hailsham? Throw a brick at someone with I love you, says God. What would you do? What would you do? Do you know God's way in the Bible is to display his power is always the same. It's actually through his people. Through his covenant chosen people. You say to me, they must be clever people. They must be the brain surgeons and the scientists. No, 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 no. These people were feeling totally dejected. They were depressed. They were feeling failures. They feel they'd let God down. They were in exile. They were feeling miserable and wretched. They were feeling like worms. And God says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you and put my spirit on you and my glory on you so that nothing will boast in the presence of God. And that's how God does it. We're told in 1 Corinthians that he doesn't take the noble, the, 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 the high flyers and all the rest of it. There's a few. But he takes, he looks for the people who are, are weak, despised, the are-nots. And what God wants to do, he wants to take people like that, not so that they stay like it, oh, I'm weak, I'm hopeless, I'm a wretch. No, no, no. That's how we are. But God wants to do it, and he wants to put his spirit upon us, his power upon us. And people say, grief, what on earth has happened to you? You say, I'll tell you what's happened to me. I've come to know Jesus. He's changed my life. And that's how God actually moves through the nations. It's through his covenant people, a people who dare to trust him. And in this passage in Isaiah, there are three pictures of transformation. Two for individuals and then one I'm going to use corporately for you as a church. The first one is this. It's transformation. It may be you. It's come up already this morning. The first one is a transformed servant, somebody who's transformed from fear to faith. It says in verse 10, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. That's a word for someone here. I will help you. Don't be afraid. I will help you. It's not I might help you. I will help you. I will help. This is the verse that called me into ministry many years ago into Heathfield. I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to be involved in public speaking. Never. I was asked to be a best man at a wedding. It terrified me. I was so nervous, I thought the champagne glass was going to break in my teeth as I sort of said cheers to the bride and groom. <laughs> I was so nervous, and the champagne was slopping all over me. I thought, I'm glad that's over. I never, ever want to stand up publicly again. And then God called me to go into the ministry. I thought, I just can't do it. I'm, I don't like standing up in front of people. I'm not good at it. I'm hopeless at it. And God spoke to me through this verse, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be ashamed or dis dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. 
Now, I've got one or two choices. I either believe God's word or I'm going to believe my own fears and everything. And if I believe my own fears, then, then what growth have I made in the Christian life at any rate? I might as well just stay where I was. No, no, I'm going to dare to believe. Believe this, don't fear, just get on with it. And I felt as though God got me by the scruff of the neck and said, I'm going to move you into things which terrify you. That's exactly what's happened. And I've proved through it all that God is greater than my fears. Do you know this, that many people in the Bible had to battle with fear? Many of the great leaders, Abraham battled with fear. Moses battled with fear. Elijah battled with fear. Jonah got so afraid he ran away. This is riddled with, with people. Do you know what God does? He does this. He said to Moses, he said, get hold of your staff. Moses was afraid to go back into Egypt because they sought his life and he, he was scared to go there. He said, God says, go back. He says, no, 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 no. And so God said to him, get hold of your staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and God turned the staff into a snake. And it was a vicious viper. One bite is all over. And you think, is that God? Would God do a thing like that? Seems more like the devil to me. But God turned a situation into a snake which terrified Moses. And the Bible to tells us that Moses ran away from it. And God spoke to him. And this is what we do with fears. We, we see some situation, maybe God's led us into it, which terrifies us and we run. Because that's what fear causes you to do. Run away. And Moses ran and God says, stop. Get hold of it. Get hold of it by the tail. So he's got the choice. He either believes the circumstance that a snake's going to kill me, or he believes the word of God. Get hold of it by the tail. That's the word of God. Get hold of it by the tail. And he's running. And God's saying, get hold of it. By the tail. Now, I'd have liked to have seen Moses, but I bet he gingerly approached this thing and came up to this sand viper. And he sees this thing, and you normally grab a snake. I've lived in Australia, around the back of the neck, but no, no, you get hold of it by the tail. So he, he grabs hold of it. The minute he grabs hold of it, and this will happen to you, is that God turned a snake into a rod of his blessing and authority. And suddenly Moses grows and he says, did that just happen? Wow! And God will put you in situations which terrify you, scare the pants off you. And your natural reaction will be, Get me out of here. Beam me up. Scotty, get me out of this quickly. You want to run. And God says, you get in there and get hold of it. Get hold of it. And I've had to prove this again and again in situations. Get hold of it. And when we get hold of it, we find out, oh, it's not as bad as I thought after all. And suddenly we know a new sense of growth. We knew a new sense 
of the presence of God. And that's actually how we grow in the Christian life. Because we, we obey what God tells us to do. And that is called faith. We move in faith. We get hold of a situation which we want to run away from. We don't just say, no, no, no. We say, God's with me. It scares the living daylights out of me. But in Jesus' name, I'm going to get hold of it and believe for his power. And suddenly the thing gets transformed and we see the power of God at work. And people say, wow, what's happened to you? The first picture is a picture of a transformed servant. The second picture here is that of a transformed worm. It says in verse 14, it gets worse, you see. Do not be afraid, you worm. <laughs> That's an encouraging word, isn't it? Has anybody ever had that on a birthday card? Do not be afraid, you worm. <laughs> you say, oh, that's an encouraging word. And then it goes on to say, oh, little Israel, do not fear. Well, here's the reason. is because God is going to help you. What's he going to do with a worm? Do you know many people think they have a worm mentality? Think, I'm just a worm. I'm just a worm. I'm no use to anybody. I have no brains. I've never done anything right. I'm no use. I'm, a, I'm the least qualified to do anything. And they carry with them a, a, a sort of a, a worm mentality that they can't do anything they never will be able to, never have been able to. And people can't carry that. God gets hold of them and he says this. He addresses them. Oh, little worm, do not be afraid. And then he says this. I myself will help you and I'm going to transform you into a threshing sledge which has master teeth. Do you know what a threshing sledge is? A threshing sledge is like a, like a sleigh, wooden sleigh, and underneath you put in metal knives and then it's got flint teeth. And you'd have a, a granary like this where all the corn would be thrown and then a, an oxen would drive around and carry this threshing sledge and someone would stand on it and it would chop all the grain up and chop it all up into pieces so that the grain is separated from the chaff. And God says, I'm going to take a worm and make a worm like a new threshing sledge. But this one's going to be different. This one's going to have not just flint teeth. This one's going to have master teeth. In other words, it's going to cut through any obstacle. Any difficulty is going to be cut through in Jesus' name. Let me tell you about a few transformed worms. Here's one you probably know man friend of mine called Don Smith. Never passed an exam in his life. You wouldn't get a letter from Don, and he's a great friend of mine. Not good at spelling, not good in English. And yet he got a heart on fire for God. And God called him in Hastings to build a church. He built a church. Then God called him to go to Eastbourne and build a church there. Terry Virgo at one time said that the church that Don was leading was the fastest growing church in New Frontiers, which was quite a statement. And here's this guy who had no qualifications. Suddenly God's saying, 
and using him like a powerful threshing sledge with master teeth. Let me tell you of another one, Terry Virgo. I'm meeting with Terry on Wednesday. We meet on, you can come along if you want to, and we're, we're praying for revival. And Terry, Terry who preaches, and he's going to preach at your camp, you're all saying, wow, we got Terry Virgo. When he first started to preach, he had to preach in front of 12 elderly ladies. He was so nervous that he had to get his handkerchief, he said this, and he had to <coughs> jam it in his mouth <coughs> to stop the vomit coming out and, you know, mop up the vomit before he spoke. He was so, 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 so scared. Where would we be now if Terry said, oh, I'm not cut out for this sort of thing. Oh, call it a day. Let someone else do it. Where would we be? But it's because God put him in a situation where he said, I'm going to dare to press through, to press through, to press through. That as you press through, you say, wow, God's with me. You take another step. Wow, God's with me. Another step. Wow, God's with me. That's how you actually progress and grow in faith and move on. One step at a time. You say, wow, wow, wow. That terrified me. <clears throat> but we got through it. Let me give you another one. A little lady called Gladys Aylwood. Anybody heard of Gladys Aylwood? <laughs> Grew up in Victoria, England. Never got up past an exam. Every missionary society she went to, they turned her down. You're not good enough. You haven't got this and that and the other. But she knew in her heart that she wanted to go to China. God had called her to go to China. She worked as a parlor maid and saved enough money. Saved enough money for one ticket just to go out to China. Just one way. And God powerfully used her. She went into one prison, and um, in this prison there was a riot in the prison. And the governor couldn't sort it out. So he got hold of Gladys Elwood. She was only just over five foot high. This tiny lady says, you go in there and sort it out. And she ran into this prison or was thrust into this prison. And as she did, this man came running behind her and hid behind her, and he was chased by another man wielding an axe. And she said there were bodies everywhere, people were mutilated. And when he came up to Gladys Aylwood, with this, <clears throat> this man chasing another man with his axe, she, she just said to him, she said to him, stop. She said, you shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. And the man, was, the man was so shocked, he gave her the axe. And then, he sa then she said, uh, why are you being nasty to one another? Why, why are you doing all this? And then some of the prisoners started get, gathering together. The, you know, they said, oh, conditions are so bad, no one listens. And she just sat down and she, she brought a whole prison reform. She brought a whole move of God just because she dared to believe that God was with her. In England, no one would touch her with a barge pole. But God says, she's my lady. I'm going to powerfully use her. I wonder if you've been rejected again and again and again. They're not this. They can't do that. They're no use. But God's taken hold of you. Oh, my friend, he wants to make you the head and not the tail. He wants to put his spirit on you so powerfully this year that others, for, others look back and say, wow, God's with them. You sort it out. You deal with it. God's with you. That's how God is going to speak to Hailsham and to your families and to this nation. It is through his people. We're not much. 
No, that's right. But we have a great God. It's who we believe in, not who we are. It's we believe in a mighty, mighty, mighty King and Savior. Amen? And the last picture is that of a transformed desert. And I want to speak to you as a church here. And it says in verse 18, it says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn desert into pools of water. And there are three things here quickly. God wants to take a situation and bring absolute transformation. The first thing we see is innovation. He wants to make the impossible happen. I will make rivers flow on barren heights. You never find a river flowing on top of a mountain, but you do in Isaiah 41. Rivers always flow at the bottom, but God says I can cause a mountain, I can cause a river there. When I went to Hastings, was called to go to Hastings some years ago, a church there. They wrote articles in the paper saying, you wouldn't want to live in Hastings. It's a place of crime, it's a place of drugs, suicide rates are high. You wouldn't want your daughter to walk through the streets in Hastings. They were the things which were being said about Hastings. It was a place which was socially struggling, depressed, run down and what it fails to understand is that God takes mountains of impossibility and says that's the place I'm going to cause my blessing to flow that's the very place can anything good come out of Nazareth who would live there the savior of the world oh Bethlehem you 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 little town among the nations God calls the Messiah to come from there. And again, and again, and again, and again in revival, that revival has started in the most unlikely places. And what happened in Hastings is, yes, it was difficult, but God caused a river to flow there. And we saw people saved, we saw the church grow, we saw God move in a powerful way. He will do, and has done here already, but he wants to do more and more and more. They may say of Helsham, they may say, oh, there's some struggles and social things and that sort of thing. It's just the sort of place God would cause a revival to break open. When I went to Pensacola, there was a revival there. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a place where there was prostitution, there was crime, there was drug addicts, there was social deprivation. You thought, wow, this is not the most prestigious place in the world, but it's the place God chose to bring a revival. He sent me here today to tell you he can do exactly that in Hailsham with you. When the poor and needy search for water, and there is none, There isn't any. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will cause rivers to flow on barren heights. God could cause a river of revival to flow right in this building, right on the streets of Hailsham, right in your house, right in your school, right in your firm. God could do that very, very easily. You need to pray for that next week. And I believe it's on his agenda to stir and to move you in that direction. Can you say amen? Amen. We see innovation. We see not only innovation, 
but we also see multiplication. It says springs in the valley. Springs in the valley. Yes, you get a little bit of water in the valley, but God says, no, I'm going to bring multiplication. Springs are going to break open. You have love Hailsham. You have Haley on the streets. Expect multiplication. Expect multiplication. God to suddenly say, wow, we're going to break open more and more. Love Hailsham. Get involved. Let's look for God to move. He can easily and suddenly do that. Healing on the streets. Yes. Let's look for some people being touched by the power of God on the streets. Let's go for it. Let's not be pushed back by the enemy. Let's go for it. Let's get out there. Let's tell Hailsham Jesus is alive. There is no hope anywhere else in the nation. It's here in the kingdom of God, knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then there's going to be innovation. There's going to be multiplication. And lastly, there's going to be transformation, the desert into pools of water. It says in verse 18, I will make rivers flow on barren heights, Springs within the valleys, I will turn the desert into pools of water and parched ground into springs. Let me ask you, do you know any areas which are like a desert? Do you know any parched ground? Maybe you say, my friend, her heart's like a desert. Maybe my family, maybe my husband, maybe my daughter, maybe my children, their hearts are like a desert. We've been praying for our neighbors. I live next door to a BA pilot. He's got everything he wants. But his heart, if he doesn't know Jesus, would be like a desert. My neighbors, their hearts could be like deserts. We're praying for them. Lord, take hold of their desert hearts and turn them into pools of blessing. Pour out your spirit. A lady came to Jesus once. And he said, give me a drink. And then he said this. He said, if you knew the gift that I give, you'd be asking me for a drink. She said, you haven't even got a bucket. He said, the, well, the water I give is the water of eternal life. Whoever drinks the water that I give will never, ever, 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 ever be thirsty again. She said, <laughs> give me some of that water. She drank. She went and evangelized her town and said, come and see someone who's touched my life and told me all that I've ever done. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. My heart used to be like a desert, so did yours. God has turned my heart into a place where there's river and life. He can do it <clears throat> for your friends, for your neighbors, for your sons, your daughters, your husband, and your wife. I want to challenge you as you come into the week of prayer. Come with a, come with a list of six people. Say their, their heart's like a desert, their life's like a desert. Lord, I'm looking for transformation, transformation, transformation. You've said it in your word. You sent Steve Braiding along to preach on this word. Well, Lord, we hold you at your word. Please bring transformation in that heart, in that heart, in that heart, in that heart, in that heart. 
My friends, this could be a wonderful year for you. Let's believe the promises of God. Let's believe the promises of God. I just feel that God's saying he wants to move on us right now by his spirit. I'm going to call you out. I want you to come quickly. And we're going to look for God to powerfully touch. If you know that you battle with fears, there are areas of fear um, which hit you. Um, We're going to look for transformation. You come and stand here. Come quickly. Okay? Just come. If you know that there are areas where you just feel I'm just like a worm, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who's a real worm, I'm a nobody, I'm no good at anything, you come and stand over here. And if you say, Lord, I want to see transformation in Hailsham, I want to see transformation, I want to see, I want to see revival in the town, come and use me, come and use this church, come and turn the desert land into a pool, come and turn the, the barren heights into rivers, of your blessing. I want you, if, you've, if you're fearful, you know that God wants to deal with you about fear, come and stand here. If you feel that you have a worm mentality to your life, I want you to come and stand here. And if you are asking God just for a, a real outpouring of his spirit on Hailsham, I want you just to, well, just stand where you are, okay? So let's stand, those who want to see a real outpouring of the spirit. If you have a real sense of a worm mentality, I'm no good, never been any good, a real worm, you come and stand here. For those who are in battle with fear, you just come and stand here. All right, there's a lot, lot of other people, I know there are. It's um, a time for moving in the purposes of God. Just lift your hands to God. I'm going to sing a song. And you can join in. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I live. team and you normally pray with people I'd like you to come just stand with the folks who have come to the front don't ask them what the problem is just 
you know what the problem is, just minister in the spirit. And I'm just going to pray over us all. Then hand back to Anna. I thank you, Lord, for this dear people. I thank you for this great church. My heart's desire would be to see a revival take place here in Hailsham. To see, Lord Jesus, a revival. To see this building filled again and again and again to see multiple services, to see people healed on the street, to see your spirit poured out. I want to see those who are weak know the strength of God again. Those who fearful know new strength. Those who feel that there are worms suddenly find new strength and courage and become mighty in the purposes of God. And we want to see, Lord, your glory poured out in Hailsham like we've never known before. We want to see your name uplifted. We want to see revival come. Thank you for this, dear people. Bless the elders here. Bless them mightily. Bless the other leaders. Let your hand mightily be with them. This year, I pray in Jesus' name. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.